Rise and shine, liberty-loving patriots. Welcome to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. Chris Ann Hall here, K-R-I-S-A-N-N-E-H-A-L-L.com, where we are liberty over security, principle over party, and truth over your favorite personality. Welcome, JC. Hey, how are you? <laughs> Everybody's wondering why it took us so long to get going today. <laughs> yeah, we're trying to we're trying to censor proof the show and so we're trying to work through that so there's a lot of little details and software not cooperating and whatever that means but we are live on youtube we are live on roku we are live on fire stick samsung and apple tv Uh, we will be if things are working properly we are also on twitch oh at this moment Okay, we may be a Twitch, too. That's a new one. Trying to figure that. (laughs) Well, that's exciting. A whole new platform. Happy to have everybody out there. Uh, JC, we had yesterday, we had had, uh, some people from Ireland join us on the show, which was really, really exciting. And uh, we had a great show yesterday that had had its own little glitches going up, but it's up and running and... People from Ireland, so excited when we have a global audience. Look, <laughs> look at like the Poltergeist movie. What is that? <laughs> I have a headache. Oh. So probably don't look good. So here's, uh, I, I wanted to start off with this how stupid can you get tweet going out there. Now this guy, this guy, Adam Boyce. I don't. You probably don't know who Adam Boyes is, and probably most people don't know who Adam Boyes is. But he's important enough on Twitter to have a blue check mark, and and carries himself to be a celebrity. But I bet Colta know who knows who's at knows who Adam Boyes is, as he is the CEO of the company that created um, Fortnite. And uh, and uh, all those other video games. I had a whole list in my head of those video games. And here's what he says, JC. Real patriots pay taxes. How crazy is that music on? I wonder if that's... Nope. Somebody says we got music running in the background. I don't know where that is. I don't see anything running in the background. Do you, JC? <laughs> Just there you go. So we have um, Adam Boyce, who is the CEO, uber liberal dude, uh, who is the create the CEO of the company who creates video games, and he believes that real patriots pay taxes. I wonder if that means that Thomas Jefferson is not a real patriot what do you think jc uh, ask ask uh, mr boys or whatever his name here is. is now i just want to put this because this is one of my favorite thomas jefferson quotes and it really puts me on the sedition list right so we've got people being uh, we've got people being arrested all over the country right now for uh being anti-government and so i do this full well knowing uh the consequences that may come But here is Thomas Jefferson in a letter to Lord North or his response, sort of like an open letter of their day in 1775. And Jefferson says that this privilege of giving or withholding our monies is an important barrier against the undue exertion of prerogative, which, if left altogether without control, might be exercise to our great oppression and is also and all history shows how efficacious it is its intercession for redress of grievances and reestablishments of rights and how improvidential would be the surrender of so powerful a mediator so modern english thomas jefferson says that our right to withhold our taxes is uh, one of our greatest controls of government. He says not only that, it is also one of the most powerful intercessions for a redress of grievances and a reestablishment of rights. 
It's interesting when you apply that quote from Thomas Jefferson in understanding uh, this is 1775. This is previous to the Declaration of Independence. This is Thomas Jefferson speaking as a subject of the king to Lord North, an agent of the king, explaining that as subjects of the crown, they have an absolute right to withhold their taxes as a means of protest and as a means of petition for a redress of their grievances. So when we get to the point of actually writing our Bill of Rights and actually writing the First Amendment, would that not also mean that in the First Amendment, our right to petition the government for a redress of grievances would include, from historical and hermeneutical context, the right to withhold our taxes being a right codified in the First Amendment? Right. So there you have it, people. Our 16th Amendment, yes, is also contrary to the Constitution because it clearly violates the hermeneutical, historical, and original intent of our founders to be able to withhold the paying of our taxes as a means to redress gov- our grievances in government. Yeah. By the way, Twitch is live. Woohoo! Yes! For the first time, we are live on Twitch ever. I guess that covers, that makes up for the fact that we're not running live on Facebook right now for whatever so. Facebook's issue is, you know, one or the other. We'll get it going. But we, again, we are, we are, as JC said, we are trying to censor proof. And there'll be more of these improvements as we come along. I've been talking to our production crew mm-hmm. in uh, New York. And they have some really great things coming along the way that will help us censor proof as well. So we may not even have to leave and go other places because we will already be where we need to be. Right. So another story that we need to cover, JC, uh, is this one. I saw that. 13 charged in a plot to kidnap Michigan Governor Gretchen (laughs) Whitmore. That's crazy. Is that not crazy? (laughs) Is not crazy. Well, I picked CNN. uh, uh, There's a lot of other places carrying this. But we have 13 people charged Thursday in an alleged domestic terrorism plot to kidnap Michigan Democrat Democratic Governor uh, Gretchen Whitmer federal and state officials allege, and they figured out that they were trying to uh, kidnap the governor from social media posts. Do people actually post on social media their plot to kidnap a governor? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, think I mean, I'm just stuff like that. thinking you may not be the brightest bulb on the street if you're posting on social media your plot to kidnap the governor. <laughs> I'm just wondering. But see, now this is the bad things. This is the bad thing that comes from this, JC. And I don't know if people think about this stuff to step two kind of stuff, right? Bad facts make bad law. Oh, yeah. Now, all of a sudden, you've got people who believe that the governor is violating the Constitution. So they are now included as domestic terrorists. Uh, They are a militia group, which now puts, you know, how the media. Everybody gets thrown in this basket. Everybody gets thrown in this basket now. The fact that we are Constitution, the fact that we even use the word Constitution now will be something that gives out our uh, position. Just just, right. Just to slander anybody who's. Anyone trying to stand up for their rights. Yeah. Well, and that's how that's how tyrants work. Mm-hmm. You know, that's interesting because saying this out loud, a lot of times when we, we talk about these things out loud, certain things come to my mind and certain quotes come to my mind. And I'm thinking of, of, of here, let's see. I probably can get this pretty quick. There it is. Ha. When you, when you Google something so quickly, and Google always keeps your history... Uh, 
You don't have to worry about not finding anything again. Google finds it for you. Is that a benefit to society, JC, that Google watches every aspect of our life? So this is actually Benjamin Franklin, the 16-year-old Benjamin Franklin, writing in 1722 under the pseudonym of Silence Do Good. And he says, without freedom of thought, there can be no such thing as wisdom and no such thing as public liberty without freedom of speech, which is the right of every man as far by it as he does not hurt or control the right of another. He says, and this is the only check it ought to suffer and the only bounds it ought to know. Now, listen to what he says, or I guess what he writes, actually. This sacred privilege is so essential to free governments. Notice, JC, that he says free governments, not free people. He's talking about the fact that the right to freedom of speech and the, the boldness of, free, of those in speech is what keeps our government from becoming uh, powerful in tyranny. And so he says, this sacred privilege is so essential to free governments that the security of property and the freedom of speech always goes together. And in those wretched countries where a man can call, he cannot call his tongue his own, he can scarcely call anything his own. And here's the part that just runs through my brain when we're talking about this. Whoever would overthrow the liberty of a nation must begin by subduing the freeness of speech, a thing terrible to public traitors. And then he goes into the history of the kings and the history of Charles I and the limitations of speech there. But when you have this, where everybody is thrown under the, in the same basket, what happens now is people without foundation, without courage and virtue, will stop talking about the Constitution. And they'll stop have meetings. They'll stop training. They'll stop thinking about the Constitution. Notice they'll stop thinking it because they don't actually want to accidentally say it. And that's exactly what what Benjamin Franklin was talking about in 1722. And that's the whole motive, J.C., for throwing everybody under the bus. I, I wish I had a better understanding of the psychology and the human nature aspect of why our media so does the bidding of tyrants. Why are they just simply lapdogs to tyrants? Do these people not look at history? Do they not know that the journalists are the ones in the firing squad? Even the ones that actually went along for a while always end up in the firing squad. So that's the whole thing that just really sort of uh, grabs me and just annoys me. Now, the last thing we're going to do before we jump into the debate, because I think the whole debate thing is going to take longer, is this statement by Nancy Pelosi. Nancy Pelosi, I'm trying to make sure that, there we go. I knew this was going to happen. All right. Nope. Okay. So Nancy Pelosi says, we need to question Trump's health, and we're going to be talking about the 25th Amendment. Well, those of you who don't know, the 25th Amendment is the amendment to the Constitution that explains the mechanism of, of secession if the president is disabled and unable to do his job. But Nancy Pelosi is suggesting that she will have the authority to determine that Donald Trump is incompetent. Just another power by, King, by Queen Pelosi to turn, uh, uh, to, to determine herself, to, de, to, to be the one that determines whether the president is competent or not. 
Now that explains to me, JC, remember for the last few days I've been asking the question, why were the journalists so focused on whether Donald Trump was actually placed on oxygen? Mm, yeah. Remember right. all those questions to the doctors? When was he placed on oxygen? Was he placed on oxygen? Will he ever be placed on oxygen? Now you know. Nancy Pelosi was trying to get her media lapdogs to set the evidential framework for her to claim that Donald Trump is unable to do his duties as president so she can invoke 25th Amendment. So here's my my question for you, JC, because you're my political guy. Why would it be a benefit to Nancy Pelosi for Pence to be president? Because under the 25th Amendment, if Donald Trump is incompetent, Pelosi doesn't get to be president. She doesn't even get to be picking who's president. Then uh, Pence gets to be president for the rest of the time until the election comes. Why would Nancy Pelosi choose Mike Pence over Donald Trump? Maybe you guys out there in the chat room can sort of put in your two cents worth about that. Why is it that Pelosi fears Trump more than she fears Pence? Because you realize if something happens to Donald Trump, then Mike Pence will be the presidential nominee, right? The Republicans will choose him to replace Donald Trump. Then the question becomes, who will be the vice president in that situation? Maybe they can wreck, resurrect uh, Cheney. doesn't have to have, have a vice president. Pence Cheney. Well, <laughs> I don't suppose he has to have a president. But if there is no... Well, if there is no president and no vice president on the ballot, then what happens is there has to be a vice presidential ballot that's separate. So which means there'll be no vice presidential ballot because they all run together. And since there's no vice presidential ballot, wouldn't that be technically a tie of zero? And if there's a tie of zero, then the Senate has to appoint the president. The vice president. See, the vice president is chosen by the Senate when there's a tie. So there there has to be a vice president somewhere. It's peculiar how they designed it that way, how the framers designed it that way, since the vice president presides over the Senate, that the Senate would pick the vice president. It's very odd. Yeah. He's the tiebreaker in the Senate, too. He would know who voted for him. Right, right. <laughs> but here's the thing. He would be chosen by the Senate that is elected in this November election. Mm. So maybe Nancy Pelosi believes that they can get the vice president they wanted that way. Anyway, I was just curious in my mind to wonder why Mike Pence is less of a threat to Nancy Pelosi than Donald Trump is. He's a company man. But do they think that Pence would lose? Because I don't think they believe Trump is going to lose at this point. I don't think I don't think they think Biden is. Well, let me put it this way. I don't think they think Biden's going to win. OK, I don't. You think they? you think the Democrat you think the Democrat Party thinks Biden's actually going to win? Um, I'm trying to think of how to phrase that. Do, <laughs> I, I think I think they believe Biden will be president. Ah, okay. By whatever means necessary. They believe he'll win. By whatever means necessary. So no, Nancy Pelosi does not get to invoke the twenty fifth amendment. So mm. anybody out there worried about that, wondering about that, Nancy Pelosi does not get to invoke the twenty fifth amendment. Can you imagine if our framers actually established the Speaker of the House can deem the President of the United States incompetent? I mean, really, people. Oh man, was Pence one of the? He was one of the recipients of the the handouts at the, at the Bush funeral. Remember their past that oh. video of all the yeah he envelopes was and one. Oh, okay, he was. well there there might be your answer. 
Oh, man, the plot he, thickens. He's a company man. Pinch yeah. is a company man. So he would just go along to get along. Uh, he's, I mean, you've seen how even in the debates, he's such a role player. I mean, mm-hmm. such a, such an actor. You know right. what I mean? That that was one thing, the, the one takeaway of the debates. It wasn't a matter of who won, who was better, or this and that, but the nature of Mike Pence and how, because I was noticing uh, Harris, you know, she's totally out of control. She's, she's, her, her contempt, she's so condescending oh, and she, she can't control awful. her face and reactions and that sort of thing. And Mike Pence was like a stone, man. Mm-hmm. And she's saying all, I mean, a couple of times he, he, he would give slight reactions, but it's almost like they were calculated. You know what I mean? Like he would give a reaction when he thought he should give a reaction or it was appropriate. But <clears throat> it just, it was just, I thought, notable of how, what a great um, actor, I guess, performer, performer's part, probably performer. a better word. What a great performer uh, Mike, Mike Pence is. And he was, because he. They called him, they called him the, the thank you Pence. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for that, thank Susan. You, thank you. Thank you, Kamala. Really appreciate that <laughs> question. Yeah. And he was. You know, of course, he was contrasting Pence, the the forever gentleman, compared to the condescending, abrasive um, Kamala Harris. And I saw that, and and that's not just my opinion. I watched the CNN. You know, the thing I like to watch after the debates are the CNN call-in, the guy that did your interview on Book TV. Oh, yeah. He, oh, he, he was there? He, he emcees the call-in. So oh, they have yeah, 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 Republican, yeah, yeah. independent, I like that Democrat. Guy. And there were several comments about how condescending and uh, how condescending she was and, and, and has a very abrasive personality. And Even it was by funny. the Democrats? It, there were a couple of Democrats, like, yeah. they, they said they were worried about how that would come off. So oh, they didn't make the direct they accusation. They recognized it. Because, you know, that spun when, when um, uh, Pence is pushing... He's being a bully. Mm-hmm. When she does it, she's being assertive, right? So there's always there's that double standard. Well, that's always. a flip because it used to be that that women in power would complain that when we were assertive, we were the magic B word. But, no, but when men what, were assertive, they were powerful. No, but that's the point. That's, that's the that's flip. The, exactly. That's yeah. Because c- you can't say that anymore. So yeah. you sort of like you can't say she's abrasive. Or condescending because that's misogynist. You're being misogynist. Right. No, we're just observing her behavior. That's how she behaved. Regardless of the genitalia in her pants, <laughs> she was condescending. Or the absence of them. Or whatever. <laughs> so, yeah. So that was, it was interesting, the contrast between the two. And uh, like I said, Trump, uh, Pence is a company man and he's very good. He's been a very good cheerleader for the president. That's his role. And I mean, he was... All their, most of his responses was, you know, what President Trump, President Trump this, President Trump that. Harris pitched her qualifications many times. I mean, she mm-hmm. was pitching Joe, but then she would talk about, you know, I'm not going to sit here and be lectured to. I'm the only attorney. And oh, blah, I'm going to talk blah, about blah. that because that was one of one of Pence's missed moments. Because I, I, I just, oh, I wish I had been in. In Pence's shoes when she's like, I'm the only one. Hey, R. Brune, thank you so much for your grant super chat. Uh, what does that say, JC? Can you read that? I don't have my glasses on. Uh, spend time on legislation to create a commission that's never going to pass and become law. Yeah, yeah. Norma Pelosi. Well, thank you for your super chat, R. Broom. We actually, we, we absolutely appreciate all that help. And we love watching you guys in the chat room. You guys have really, really good chats going on there. Let's go ahead. And that's and what they do, actually. Yeah. What, I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's, all, it's theater. And it's, oh, we're going to have, just like she was talking about impeachment and all this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, the whole impeachment trial. So they do always, th- all of these things, the commissions and the, and the hearings and the investigations. And yeah. It's not really their intent to accomplish anything. You look at all the people. I mean, e- even even under this Justice Department mm-hmm. uh, and tr- Trump himself, I, I look at the tweets. For instance, Trump is tweeting again now that all the 
all of this CIA documents and all this stuff coming out. And he's naming, you know, Obama, Pelosi, Biden, da 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 da, da naming all these people. They did this, did that. Okay, that's fine. Tweet about it, but uh, is somebody going to do something about it? Yeah, right. Uh, file charges. Right, in- Indict exactly. these people. Excuse me, you are the ex- head of the executive branch, and you yeah. are the head of the Department of Justice. Why don't you have your Department of Justice start filing some charges? Because that's executing the law. Yeah. Right. The, see, this is the thing that, that that gripes me, JC. The one one of the real jobs of the president of the United States is to faithfully execute the laws. Do we forget that some of those laws are actually criminal laws, which means it's his responsibility to execute those laws? Barr works for him. Yeah. He needs to be saying, look, Barr. I'm your boss. It's my job, right? The buck stops here. I have to execute these laws. Go execute. I will say once again, and this is not the place to put all your Q comments, <laughs> but <laughs> once again, don't. Donald Trump is not in charge. No. He's not running all these people. So if, 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 he, if he could get them to do these things, they would do it. I but cannot imagine. It's, all, it's, it's a bunch of theater. And, and yeah, the place for your Q comments to all, oh, all the prosecutors. Because you think about it, all the people that could be prosecuted, the people that could be brought to trial right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, okay, where is it? Oh, there's all these sorts of indictments, hundreds of indictments coming down. Oh, yeah, you got 27 days to do that. Yeah. Let's see how that goes. <laughs> Been saying that for, what, three years and, uh, what, nine months now? Yeah. Three yeah. years, nine months. You got 27 days left. Oh, no. But when he wins again, Me he'll break. have he'll have carte blanche. Yeah. Just so like just like Obama said to the Russian guy, when I get reelected, I won't have my hands tied anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's garbage. So you keep you keep you keep hoping you got you guys keep hoping in queue. Yeah. Um, but but it's not happening. It's not happening. Mm-mm. Not happening. So. Let's move on to the debate. Uh, I wanted to start off with this clip um, that really sort of chapped me. And then I wanted to talk about because you you have the transcription of the of the debate. And I thought it'd be fun for us to go through some of the high points in there since uh, I'm going to pass the steering wheel over to you. You have a better command of of where the layout is on your notes there. But. Well, I was just trying. What so? What I did was pull out the questions. I was interested to look at the questions because here's the thing about the debate. So I guess I assume everybody watched the debates and kind of have an idea how it went. But you remember the presidential debate, and Chris Wallace was just wildly, wildly um, over the top biased, and uh, a lot of the comments. Again, watching the C-SPAN and the different caller, Republican, Independent, <laughs> Democrat callers. That, and there were several comments about this lady being less biased, which I thought was interesting because she was not less she biased. She wrote the biography for Hillary Clinton. She was less <laughs> argumentative. Yes. Okay, but also the participants were more cooperative. But it's funny how, so she had a completely different tone and demeanor. And so people translated the tone and demeanor as less less biased. I mean, that's how that's how unthinking, which is part of our problem, how unthinking the American public is. So rather than examine the questions, how they were asked, what what was asked, right? That's what would tell you bias or not bias. Mm-hmm. But people were fooled by tone and demeanor, and so she was she was less biased. Some some said she was somewhat left, but but not so much, which is entirely not true. So entirely I, not true. So I just I I transcribed the whole thing. Well, I had Otter transcribe the whole thing. And I pulled out just the questions that she asked and she said she wrote all the questions. And mostly almost all the questions, maybe the exception of about two. And we could go through we could we could just walk through these questions on, which I'm not going to do, well, but I'm going to do this video first. You could look at the questions and see just just to just to summarize, basically, this is the point. They were all framed from the Democrat point of view. Almost all of them, all of the questions either contained a criticism or were preceded by a statement of criticism against the Trump administration administration or tying all any bad thing that's happening right now 
to the Trump administration saying directly or implying that it was their fault. That was almost every question. Uh, several of the questions were, were framed against Trump when the same thing could have been posed to, to the other side in the same manner. So mm -hmm. she would go back. I, I want to highlight one of these questions, but she would go back and say, let me ask you the same question. Well, it wasn't, it was, it, it was the same question, meaning if like, if Donald Trump, Donald Trump is going to refuse to to uh, accept the results. What are you going to do, Mr. Pence? Uh huh. Well, let me put this to you right where she started with Harrison. Put this to you, Mr. Pence. So the fact of the matter is Joe Biden has right. Hillary Clinton told Joe Biden to do the same thing. Right. So you could have to make that objective. You would say, OK, what do you do if Mr. Biden doesn't accept the results right. of the election? So it's. It wasn't objective. It was right. almost every question was framed to where it was a criticism uh, or critique of President Trump and the administration. Yep. So here's the video I wanted to play because this is a crazy, crazy uh, part. And then, I, again, you had mentioned uh, where she said, I'm, you know, her condescending. I'm the only one on the stage who's ever prosecuted a case. I wanted to slap her there. I'm going to sit here and be lectured to. to by, the, by the vice president, right? Whatever. So I wanted to play this for you because this is just, this is absolutely hilarious. And I wanted to show you. Uh, now, first, I want to, to make everybody take note that this is from The Hill. Okay, this is the Hills YouTube channel and their video. Are they hearing that? I don't think they're hearing that. Oh, I forgot to. There we go. Sorry about that, guys. In 1864. Well, I'd like you to answer the question. No, yes, Vice President. Go I'm back. Speaking. Okay. I'm speaking. Okay. All right, we're going to back up to the beginning for you. There we go. I'm so glad we went through a little history lesson. Let's do that a little more. So obnoxious. Is that just, I mean. Very obnoxious. Just so obnoxious. And the title down here, VP Debate, Kamala Harris, this is The Hill, gives a powerful history lesson on Abraham Lincoln and the Supreme Court. So here we go. In 1864. Well, I'd like you to answer the question. No, Mr. Yes. Vice President, I'm Please. speaking. I'm speaking. <laughs> First off, do you catch how how freaking tickled she is in herself that she's about to give this little nugget of truth like or or what, you know, this little nugget of information? She's just like she's stinking giddy that she has the opportunity to tell this story. It's just her condescending attitude. She's giddy that she gets to tell tell off the vice president. But and and mentioning uh, the the call-in show again it, another interesting take was the black voters who only see a black all she is is a black lady and many of the comments i i was so proud of this strong black woman you know talking smack like mm -hmm. her her being condescending to to the vice president, right? The the you know second most powerful man on the planet, and here's a black woman telling him off, putting him in her place. So that's that's all they saw. Yeah. So is that supposed to be a a good character trait for a black woman? No, I don't think so. In 1864, so. one of the I think political heroes, certainly of the president, I, I assume if you also, Mr. Vice President, is Abraham Lincoln. Mm -hmm. Abraham she thinks she's Lincoln got a gotcha. Was mm -hmm. up for I told you. She's so dick tickled. And it was 27 days before the election. And a seat became open on the United States Supreme Court. Abraham Lincoln's party was in charge not only of the White House, but the Senate. But Honest Abe said it's not the right thing to do. Okay, let me back that up again because you need to see this. Okay? All right? Listen to the words that she says. But Honest Abe said, said it's not the right thing to do. The American people deserve to make the decision about who will be the next president of the United States. And then that person can select who will serve for a lifetime on the highest court of our land. And so Joe and I are very clear. 
The American people are voting right now, and it should be their. So would you not think that if, if you want me to keep going? No. Oh, okay. Would you not think, because I want everybody to see this is actually the Hill, and the Hill loves to fact check Pence. They love to fact check Donald Trump. First and foremost, uh, Abraham Lincoln never said that. Mm-hmm. Abraham never said anything about that. As Yes, as a matter of fact, there was um, the, the uh, Supreme Court justice did pass away 27 days before uh, the election. But and yes, Abraham Lincoln did not choose a vice president, but he never, ever said why. President, mm-hmm. vice president or a judge? A Supreme Court justice. Oh. Okay, so the Supreme Court Justice, by the way, the one who gave the majority opinion in Dred Scott, passed away 27 days before the presidential election. Abraham Lincoln did not choose a next Supreme Court Justice, but he never said why. He never made any statement about why this, how this should be the choice of the people, that we're coming up on an election, or we have to do this to wait for the voice of the people. As a matter of fact, Abraham Lincoln said nothing at all. So you can't even come to the conclusion that Abraham Lincoln did not choose the next Supreme Court justice because it was the noble thing to do to not choose the Supreme Court justice. You would probably be more correct to to if you're going to guess that it was 1864 and Abraham Lincoln knew that there would be no possible way to choose a Supreme Court justice in 27 days in 1864. Because, you know, horses just don't run that fast. So the whole thing is an absolute farce. She well, inter- made it up. Yeah, it's interesting. It's a made up gotcha. How telling is it that, so the Hill's title says, Harris gives a powerful, powerful history, history lesson, lesson on Abraham Lincoln. Interestingly, the Washington Post headline says Kamala Harris's, quote, little history lesson, unquote, about Lincoln's Supreme Court vacancy wasn't exactly true. So even the Washington Post says she's lying. She lied. And you have and to And the Hill look. thinks it was powerful. A powerful. I want to show you how tickled she was about giving this lie. Look at this. I'm so glad we went through a little history lesson. Let's do that a little more. In 1864. Do you see that? Do you see that? She is so tickled to give this lie. That's because somebody just handed it. Somebody handed her this story. Somebody prepped this for her. Yes. And like, check this out. It's exactly the situation. Bam, do this. You're going to knock it out of the park. Yeah. Because it's going to come up. So she's like, she's so excited that she's prepared and she's got this little bomb that she's about to drop. And apparently whoever gave her the story didn't let her know it's not entirely true. It's Senator. not even. I mean, the only thing that's true about it, what Jefferson said about the newspapers that lie, the only thing that's true are the names and the dates. <laughs> that's it. The only thing that's true is, yes, it was a Supreme Court justice that died in 1864. And yes, Abraham Lincoln was the president at the time. But, you know, J.C., 46 days is when uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg died. 46 days is like a year in 1864. There is no excuse why we could not have a Supreme Court justice in 26 days in modern technology. Uh, And it's just as reasonable to believe that Abraham Lincoln didn't even try because he made no comment at all. Well, here's a newsflash. Because he knew he couldn't get it done. Here's a newsflash. People did vote. They elected Donald Trump. Yes. He is the president until January. Until January. So. By the way. This is what you do. That's a very good point, JC. (laughs) He is president until January. Even if he loses in November. 
he is still president until January. Mm-hmm. Because the count doesn't take place until uh, until January 6th, right? So, I don't know. What are you going to do? So, like you want to go over these questions. No, I love that. Uh, it's down here. I love that. that um, it's a good picture. Yeah. Great facial expression. There's a lot of memes going around <laughs> of her today. A yeah. lot of memes of those facial expressions. Yeah. Very, uh, very condescending. So, but anyway. Can you imagine a woman of that dearth of character actually being president of the United States? Mm. I mean, seriously. I don't know. Can you flip that up there? The, uh, the questions? Thank you. Yes, please. Sure. Thank you. People saw me go like that, so... Yep. <laughs> Can you put those questions up on top? JC always dings me because I speak in multiple pronouns. Yeah, I want to. I'll probably. I, I want to take all of these questions and and uh, catalog them. Maybe maybe we could put on a blog or something. But I'd love mm-hmm. to take list. Just list all the questions and then highlight. Um, you know, highlight the criticisms that mm-hmm. are that were in each question. What do you think? I think that'd be a good idea. I think so. I mean, look at, I mean, just just looking at these, probably can't see them on the screen. Um, but if you go through, let's do one. How do I do just one on a page? Down there one in the page, corner. Oh, there you go. And then zoom that guy. Down at the bottom there. So if you look at. Yeah, there that, we that's go. That's good. Yay. So <laughs> she first, the, the opening was all about the coronavirus, right? And mm-hmm. so this is how the questions start off. So the very beginning, Senator Harris, the coronavirus is not under control. Which is right? a, a so, presumption, not, right, not but, a fact. So it's one of those things, this similar thing that um, Wallace did in inserting information and, and, you know what I mean, making statements uh, and characterizations of what, whatever the topic. Right. In, in a courtroom, you know I, mean? I would say, I object, Your Honor. Counsel is making statements not in evidence. Yeah, it's testifying. Yeah. Counsel's testifying. Counsel's Leave testifying. that for the witness. Making statements not in evidence. So just ask the questions. So that's kind of how, that was sort of the theme, you know. So things, things really suck right now, and it's Trump's fault. Wink, wink. So... I want to ask you a question, right? That's how, that's kind of the framework of every question. Hey, JC, did you know COVID and Trump have the same number of letters? <laughs> okay. Maybe that's why they're the same thing. Did Q tell you that? No, so, I'm just wondering. Yeah, so that, so she goes through this whole litany, 39 states, you know, all this COVID scare, sets new records, um, a vaccine is, is released, uh, it, it, a vaccine's maybe coming soon, even... Even with a vaccine, you know, things are going to be terrible. So that was kind of the lead up. This whole mm-hmm. everything's so bad. So what what will you do mm-hmm. now? Neither neither of them answered every question. <laughs> no, um, they're like, I'm actually going to use my time for yeah. this question to answer the other. Question. So they did. They did say <laughs> a lot of stuff. And there was there was definitely more substance in this debate, but yeah. they weren't, the substance was not necessarily connected to the question that was asked. Right, exactly. Uh, but anyway, exactly. so. She did, Harris did say, well, if the doctors told me to take a vaccination, I might take it. But if Trump tells me to take one, I'm not taking it. So that was kind of the setup. So COVID is, you know, everything sucks right now under this administration. What What is your administration going to do? So she kind of softballs her to how are you going to save America from from the pandemic? And then she goes to Pence, right? Same topic. You think, okay, now we're going to give you a chance of the thing. No, it's sort of she piles on more mm-hmm. where it's Harris was, okay, everything sucked. How are you going to do it better? And then Pence was 210,000 Americans have died since February. U.S. death toll percentage of population is higher than almost this every... This is the question every, that yeah, went to pass. This is the question. Almost every other wealthy nation on Earth. For instance, our death rate is two and a half times. So she's, again, giving information. Testifying. So, so basically saying, 
America has done a worse job than any country on the planet. And you're the head of the task force. Why are we doing such a bad job? Right. That was his question, basically. That's Mm -hmm. the second question. So first question, everything really sucks under this administration. Senator Harris, how are you going to do it better? Mm -hmm. Second question, Vice President uh, Pence, you guys have done such a crappy job and you're the head of the task force. Why have you done such a crappy job? (laughs) That was question number two. Yeah. Then the next question is, has the criticism of the Rose Garden event. So you, she says, the super she says the vice president Pence, you were in the front row of the Rose Garden 11 days ago in what seems, what seems right. Right. Which is to say it's not right. Because if it was, she wouldn't say it seems this is the way this is a, this is the subtlety of language again. This is the way that you get to say something that's not so, but still get it on the record, Mm -hmm. still get to use the scary language. So in what seems to have been a super spreader event for senior and congressional officials, no one social distancing, mass cluster coronavirus cases among those who were there. How can you expect Americans to follow administration safety guidelines when you're not following them yourself? So that's two questions in a row that were criticism actually directly against President Pence. You were in the front row. You're not wearing a mask. You're not following your own guidelines, but you expect American people to do so. Why do you why do you suck so much? Um, Now, here's one. She goes back. She goes to um, uh, Harris. That so this you could maybe count this as kind of a probably the toughest question of Harris for the for the the entire night where that she says, um. Fauci says people should be vaccinated and half of Americans say they wouldn't take it. Um, Would you take it? And then she basically says, if Fauci says so, I'll take it. If Trump says I'm not taking it. And then Pence blasted her like crazy big time on that. Um, Then the next question was the old guy question. (laughs) Right. And the the, old guy. question. Interesting thing is. It it was actually not the point of the question. What you look and see where she's going and where she goes with the next question. So she's really talking about Trump's sicknesses, the Trump's COVID um, thing, right? His right. COVID infection. Right. So she says, basically, these guys are old. Uh, oh, and this was about they're so old. And if one of them dies, um have you had a con- this was a weird question have you had a conversation with the president about if he dies and what you guys would do now my immediate thought was there's a constitutional process there's a l- why do they need to have this conversation yes this process is is set is written in law i actually so this was a stupid stupid question so i actually just like i did during the presidential debate i posted on facebook and on parlor as the questions and the answers and and how I would have answered. And that was the, one of the questions where I said, this is the most colossally stupid question that we've seen yeah. so far. Just, what a waste yeah. of time. Have the you constitution, had a transition conversation? The Constitution Why? establishes what happens. It's the whole 25th Amendment conversation. <laughs> it's the 12th Amendment. It's Article 2. It's everywhere and you don't need oh did you sit down and talk about what you're going to do if one of you die okay you don't need to figure out what you're going to do it's already figured out so i wonder does this woman (laughs) because because she bragged at the end i wrote all these questions you bomb that one you bomb that one so yeah that was a weird way to to basically try to say both of them are really old yeah, uh, it just just was strange. So then she picked something that did you have a conversation about transition? Uh, that's pretty well. That process is pretty well settled. Yeah. Um, and then. But what this was, was a setup. Right. See that. Whole, why it was. I think why it was so weird because the process exists. So why would you ask that? Right. Mm-hmm. You find out with our next question. It was a setup so that she could start to. Focus on Trump catching COVID 
and the doctors lying and, and, you know, all this sort of stuff. So she said, so um, she says, basically do uh, that Trump or Biden hasn't released detailed health information. So she tries down. This is this is where I, I wonder if th- if this is what sort of made people think it was objective because they didn't recognize her setups. So mm-hmm. she tries to make it sound like this objective question about both of them. You know, neither have released detailed, not health information, but detailed. So it's about the details, detailed health information that be- that's become the norm. And in recent days, right, this is the transition. So that's just a throwaway statement. In recent days, President Trump's doctors have given misleading answers or refused to answer basic questions about his his health, which is not so not true. Uh, My question to each of you is, is this information voters deserve to know? Right. And then she says later when she follows up to Harris, she adds this caveat especially when they're facing some kind of challenge. So this is totally about to highlight Trump's COVID uh, infection and the doctor's uh, the doctor's conference where they want to make them seem like they're lying. Let's not forget that on top of this, remember, these people are laying the groundwork for what the Democrats actually want to do politically. Mm-hmm. So right now you've got also, as we talked about earlier, yeah. you've got Nancy Pelosi putting a bill in so that the House of Representatives can call an investigation. It's what they're calling the invoke the 25th Amendment thing, right? So Nancy Pelosi's bill is because the president is not being forthcoming with the details of his medical condition, and we can't trust the president's doctors to tell us the truth, then the House of Representatives needs to be in charge Okay, of, of determining whether the president, here's what it says, enable Congress to, inhel- to help ensure effective and uninterrupted leadership in the highest office in the executive branch of government. It's a commission who will now subpoena his health records like they subpoenaed his tax records to determine whether the president is healthy enough to do his job. Talk about a separation of powers violation. You're going to have the House of Representatives trying in a commission determining whether the president of the United States is healthy enough to do his job. That's not what this is about, people. This is more... uh, When our founders, this is just mind-boggling to me, when you talk about the anti-federalists and the federalists, right, the problem that they had that the anti-federalists were afraid that the president would become a king. The federalists were afraid that Congress would become the king. Mm -hmm. And that's what you've got right now. You have got a legislative branch that is trying to consume all the power in Washington, D.C., because we have failed to keep them to an Article One, Section 8 list of powers. Yeah. So the next question was the the actual question mm-hmm. was about by was to Harris and the Biden plan to raise four trillion in taxes. OK. The preface to that question was this long. Several long statements about how bad the Trump economy is and how bad the Trump administration is doing in the economy and it's and the hardest hit are Latinos, blacks, women, all, all the right, all the voters that the Democrat Party is trying to trying to save. Um, she, Susan talks about they're they're worse off. All our Democrat voters are worse off and the Trump economy is so bad. Uh, and so you want to raise four trillion dollars in taxes to fix it on wealthy individuals. So totally crafted. Again, every question Nearly every question has a criticism baked in of the Trump administration. Can we mention that there hasn't actually been a constitutionally sound question? No. 
at this point. The only thing that is remotely con- uh, ref- referenced to the Constitution was the, do you have a plan if somebody's going to die? And in that question, although it is actually a constitutional issue, she completely ignores the Constitution. Yeah. And so, and then her question to uh, to the vice president about the economy is basically, so you guys are pretty much lying about the recovery and it's it's actually going to take a very long time, isn't it? Right. Mm-hmm. That's that's his question. <laughs> I, I hated how I've, I just found a lot of the things grating and annoying every time she said, and you have two minutes uninterrupted. Yeah. As if it, that was just a call back to Trump. That was another way to yes. punch Trump in the face. Correct. Even though he wasn't even sitting there. When in reality, we know that Biden interrupted Trump as much as Trump interrupted Biden. Yep. The next question everybody remembers about the climate change. Again, uh, the whole premise was you don't believe in climate change. Right. So, again, attack on the vice president and Trump. Um, you know, he gave a good answer, by the way. He said, I actually believe in climate change. I just don't he believe kept saying that climate is changing. It's a question of the cause changing, and causing. what it takes, right. what 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 you're proposing to to deal with it. Um, and. Is this no? That's not the end. Um, so then she. This is all in the climate realm. This is mm-hmm. the bit about um, the new green, the green new deal. So she highlights that Senator Harris, as the vi- vice president, mentioned you co-sponsored the green new deal in Congress. Uh, but the vice president said last week he doesn't support it. But if you look at the Harris campaign website, it describes the Green New Deal as a crucial framework. What exactly would be the stance of a Biden-Harris administration toward the Green New Deal? Now, I took this as she, because the the vice president, the uh, excuse me, um, Joe Biden last week actually threw the progressives under the bus. Right. So she's actually now giving them a a, a chance to fix that right you and said you you made it sound like you were against the green new deal but you actually sponsored the green new deal and and there's pretty much that's what's on your website aren't you guys for that in other words please take this opportunity to bring the base back on board and let everybody know that you actually support the green new deal and kamala harris did not answer the question yep. She absolutely that was one of the times where she said, uh, I want to use my time to answer another question. Well, she but, went back and answered another question. She never, yeah. ever came out and said, we are for the Green but New Deal. But it's where she dropped the uh, climate change as an existential threat. And so then Susan immediately pivoted to Vice President Pence mm-hmm. with another one of these questions. So basically you're a, you're a climate change denier, Right. 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 That's kind of where she went. She said it's an existential threat. Do you believe climate change poses an existential threat? So, again, over and over again, next we get the the China, right? The China mm-hmm. thing, something so, she said, was so, so important. One of the most important things. There's so nothing more complicated, nothing more consequential than the foreign relationship than the one with China. It's a huge market for agriculture, potential partner in dealing with climate change in North Korea. Or maybe she said and North Korea. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Climate change in North Korea. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's probably and in the otter changed. Uh, and text, yeah, right? probably. And uh, she says president. And again, a dig against the president in the question again. Mm-hmm. President tonight blame China for the coronavirus saying we're going to make them pay. And so she says, what's our relationship with China? Are they competitors, adversaries, enemies? Um then she goes to Harris. How would you describe our fundamental relationship with China? There's no criticism about Joe Biden or anybody else. So constant, constant criticism to Trump. Almost every question right. had a criticism of Trump. Um, again, uh, we've seen changes in the role of the United States in, term of, in terms of global leadership over the past few years, Okay, which implies... Right. Our global leadership has gotten worse. So another another veiled dig at Trump. What's what's your uh, of course, times change. But what's your definition? Right. We see strain with China. Here it is again. Strain with China. Which is strain with our traditional allies in NATO. What's your definition of role of American leadership? So another slight against how the Trump administration has conducted foreign policy. 
Um, NATO, for instance, talking about a strained relationship with NATO. One of the things that Trump challenged NATO as, as an organization that wasn't wasn't up to modern times in dealing with what's on the horizon now. We're stuck in the 1950s in our view of the world. Plus, we're footing the bill for all this stuff, and nobody nobody's paying helping pay the bill like we are. And and then that's what he challenged them on. And then they modernized their strategy and they started pitching in, paying for their share. Right. Exactly. So, but then this is a, a strain. So when you try to fix, uh, you try to fix the sort of established uh, status quo, corrupt, broken system, you're straining relationships. Look, if you have an employee, OK, who's not doing their job. And you right. ask them nicely and you ask them nicely and they continue to do a crappy job. At some point, you're going to have a come to Jesus meeting with right. that employee. Are you straining relationship? No, they're straining relationship by not meeting their obligations. So, you know, there's many of these things that the moderator offered were misleading half truths, mischaracterizations of things, these broad generalities that are that are Democrat talking points. So don't tell me there th this was not bias. Um, well, JC, we are flat out of time, but yep. let's 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 go ahead and put that together all Absolutely. in something, and and I think it's something that we need to do to to be the fact checker because yeah. obviously, if you're going to have somebody like the Hill running around talking about how Kamala Harris gave a powerful history lesson on Lincoln and in the Supreme Court. They're not going to be fact-checking each other. Maybe it's time for us to publish some kind of fact-check on this thing. And you've done such a great job putting all of that together. And so uh, that would be fantastic, I yeah. think. Uh, if anybody tells you it was not bias, that's that's crap. It is absolutely. Totally biased. It was completely, completely biased. I don't know that we would be shocked by that revelation. No, it's not but shocking. But some people, again, because of her demeanor and her tone was controlled and quiet, yeah. people, oh, she was less biased. No, look at the words. Look at the way the questions were asked, the way they were framed. Yeah. Totally biased from start to finish. So just one last thing, because I had mentioned that I was going to talk about it and I didn't want to let it pass by when Kamala sat there and said, I'm the only prosecutor. I'm the only person on the stage who's actually prosecuted a crime and all whatever that garbage she said. Pence should have looked at her and said, oh, yeah, OK, I get it. So uh, you're happy that you uh, prosecuted Project Veritas? for their investigative journalism on selling baby parts. Because remember, she said that it was invest good investigative journalism that gave us Trump's, uh, Trump's tax returns. No, that was a criminal act that gave us Trump's tax returns. But she, that, those people weren't prosecuted. She thought that was the right thing to do, good investigative journalism. But she, she actually prosecuted the good investigative journalism of Project Veritas. Not only there is an article uh, in The Guardian right now. I don't know why The Guardian would be doing this, but there's an article in The Guardian that lays out the factual uh, statistics that Kamala Harris has one of the largest convictions of innocent people in California. So many of the people that she actually prosecuted and convicted, their convictions were overturned as wrongful prosecution. No, that's the crazy thing. Of A all, man, 20 years in prison, yeah, JC. All the things that BLM are allegedly protesting. Kamala Harris is the poster child for poster child a black man in prison 20 years released one of the first thing when she, when Kamala Harris left office as the attorney general of California the one of the very first things that the next attorney general did was let that guy out yeah wrongful she's got this list of wrongful prosecution that goes from here to China and I, that, what a missed opportunity for Pence to to give that information and ding her relationship with the with BLM yeah so I don't know there was a lot of people that said he was too polite but I don't know this is just I, I think he did a great job as far as performance wise yeah but you know I mean they they both they both played their roles well on yeah. the stage. I will say that. She's just abrasive, obnoxious, and 
you know, Pence, again, was debating two people, yep. just like Trump did. Um, and that's just the way it's going to be. So, everybody, give us your thumbs up before you head out the door. Make sure you hit subscribe and like and ring that bell. And I have a I have a proposition for the next two debates. I want to see vice president versus presidential candidate, vice presidential candidate versus presidential candidate candidate in a debate. I want to see Trump debate Harris and Pence debate Biden. That would be great. That would be great. Thank you, Ample Forth, for your super chat. Thanks. He Entertaining. says. Great analysis of the moderator's questions. Yes, it was, Ampleforth. It was fantabulous. So I want to say thank you guys for joining us today. And if you like that idea of a debate, I think that would just be <laughs> out stinking standing. Because it's all entertainment. It's all entertainment. You learn substance means nothing in these no, things. No. If substance meant something, there would be substance in them. Yep. You know, it's it, who was rude, who was nice, who said please too much, who had the funny face, who had a how fly on mean, their head, who had a fly on their head for Pete's sakes, right? So, why not just go out and make it all entertaining? Yeah. Give us a Trump Harris Biden Pence cage match. Cage match in the octagon. <laughs> <laughs> God bless you guys. We will see you next time.